0: Welcome back, friends, to the third episode of Making Waves with Jasmine. I apologize for the delay in this episode. I was posting weekly, but last week I um, was busy fighting for my life on my bathroom floor. I got violently, violently sick um, with a stomach bug, and I'm not going to go into the details of it, but it was pretty horrific, like the worst sickness I've had since I was a kid, And, um, yeah, that took up, you know, a good solid chunk of my week. So today's the first day that I'm feeling better. I wasn't going to like fully, fully better. I've been better for a few days now, um, not puking, but today's the first day I felt like I had some energy to get on and record. So here I am blessing all of you. I got the stomach bug because A, I work at a school, but I got it. I'm pretty sure from my roommate's baby. For those of you who don't know, which is all of you, I live with a 18-month baby and 18-year-old month, month, 18-month, 18-month, a baby that's what? I live with a baby that's 18 months old and his mother, um, who is amazing. Both of them are great. I chose to do this recently, as in January, because I was tired of living with adults who acted like babies. So I was like, you know what? I will live with an actual baby and take my chances there because a kids are awesome. Like when I have a bad day at work, I come, which I work with kids, but I come home, you know, like kids just don't care. They genuinely don't care. They don't care what kind of day you had. They don't care what you're wearing. They don't care. Like they're the best and they make you just forget about everything. Yeah. So anyways, the baby got sick first. And then my roommate, but while the baby was sick, I was helping her out because, like, she hadn't gotten sick yet, but she had obligations. She had errands to go run. She had things to do. And so I was babysitting the baby while he was sick and, um, like, fully aware that, like, I could get sick, but whatever. He seemed to be getting better. And we were having a great morning, like, playing, whatever. And he, he seemed, again, like he was feeling better. He was getting some color back. It was at this moment that he projectile vomited all over the floor, like... Projectile vomited. When I say project, I mean like shot out, like the like from a movie. Projectile vomited, and he it was so funny because he like just looked up at me, and I'm like, it's okay, ha ha ha, it's okay. If I would have like freaked out in that moment, he would have freaked out. But kids are so funny that way. Kids like they look to adults for a reaction, which is kind of what we're gonna get into today because I think that. This is a lesson we can learn from kids. Yeah, if if I would have been like, oh my gosh, which I wanted to do. If I would have started immediately vomiting in return, he would have started freaking out. But he didn't even cry because he looked at me. I was like, it's okay. Let's go. Let's go to the bathroom. And like, you know, stayed cool and calm the whole time. Even though I wanted to freak out because I don't like puke. Nobody likes puke. But I digress. Okay. So what we're talking about is validation versus reaction. That's what this episode is going to be about. So, Buckle in, friends. So, I've noticed this in the classroom, too, where, you know, kids, when they do something, they're looking for a reaction or validation. There's That's the two behaviors. Like, they're either looking for the, the teacher to react or they're looking for validation about something, a behavior. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. And, um, yeah, it's it's funny how, like, the, ki- the teacher's energy will mirror what the kids do. You know, of course, there's, like, a few apples in the bunch who are just bizarre and, like, you know, they need some serious discipline. But for the most part, like, how mellow a teacher is and how they respond is how a kid responds. So, if you're a really high-strung teacher who's always like, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, I'm, like, losing their head all the time, the kids are also that way. Or if you're just, like, mellow, like, nothing phases you no matter what the kids do, they don't even try because they're like, nothing phases her. You know, I'm sure in the beginning of the school year, it was different, but yeah, it's like that way with surf lessons too. I've noticed it's not just kids. It's also adults, but I, so I've been a surf instructor for the last three years. I do it less now that I started working at the school but when I first started my very very first surf lesson I ever did solo I'd been like training you know going out with other instructors but my first one I did one-on-one was a private with this little girl she was eight years old and she comes to the surf shop and she's wearing these like little spandex shorts that have skulls on them and I was like me and this girl are gonna get along like we're gonna be good friends I have an idea of what I'm doing I'd only been surfing for a year but 50% of being a surf instructor is teaching okay and I had education experience prior to this like Tutoring in college, college athletes, um, little with kids, but I babysat a lot and yeah, I was like, I'll figure this out. Um, so yeah, so I take her out and we get into a couple of, you know, positions where it was my fault, like we shouldn't have been in those positions and thankfully, one, she was a really tough little girl. Like, she was very resilient. She could have easily gotten scared, started crying, went in. That wouldn't have looked good for me as my very first surf lesson that I ever did. Like, secondly, she, anytime she popped out of the water, she was just looking at me for, like, validation of, like, should I be scared? Like, and that's how kids are. I take out little four-year-olds, you know, four to, you know, grown adults. I've taken out like seven year olds before and they're the same way, but kids are the funniest where they look at you for validation. So after every single wave I push a student on, I just gave a surf lesson a couple weeks ago and I had another person in the water be like, why do you cheer for and give them thumbs up and clap for someone after every single wave? And I was like, well, because even the ones they don't catch or the ones they fall off of, like they need to get that validation of job well done. If I'm like, Ooh, that didn't look so good. Like That's not helpful that's not helpful and then they're gonna shut down especially the kids who are already scared of water and sharks and like other things if i'm anxious and high strung instead of just like it's okay some little girls they're like no no no, i don't want to go like because i push them from behind right so like i tell them to start paddling and then i push them into little nice mellow waves i don't take kids where they're not supposed to be. You know, sometimes like the ocean's uncontrollable. Like sometimes we're just in a bad spot and I'll usually take like the blow of that wave. So the kid is fine. But you know, I tell them to start paddling. I give them a push and they're not supposed to be looking. But a lot of times anxious kids are looking and they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I'll be like, okay, we're going to sit here until you say out loud three times, these waves are too small but these waves are big. I don't want to go. I don't. Okay. Then we can go And No, 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 no. I want to try. Okay. Well then you need to say three times. These waves are small. These waves are small. These waves are smart. Cause it's just a mental game, right? It's like, if you tell yourself the waves are big, even though they're like little baby waves that you need to push into to even catch, then you're going to be convinced that they're too big for you. But once you tell yourself they're small, like I, that eight year old girl, I work with her every year. She comes back for vacation. And I've sent her on some really big waves for her age. And she just keeps getting, like, her confidence keeps growing. And there are certain days, though, it's, like, all over again. Like, her very first time. And I'm like, what is going on with you? And it's, again, she just mentally gets all in her head about it. Anyways, it's the same thing with adults. Like, adults, they're looking for that validation of how should I be reacting. And some of them, like, I can't convince. You know, there's a lot... (laughs) mostly men. I can't convince that, you know, it's safe to be out here. It's okay. We can do all the safety stuff or they don't listen to me. They don't take it seriously how dangerous it could be because I surf, I do lessons on the big island where we have a majority reef and rock and it's really shallow, the water where we surf, where we do surf lessons. And so if you like touch the bottom, you're probably going to like cut up your feet. I did when I first started learning how to surf and we give you the shoes for protection, but like we don't want people stomping around on the reef being like, oh, I can stand. And, like, you can easily get sea urchins in your feet, okay? So, if you're not listening to the safety information and how to stay safe, yeah, you're you're not going to be safe. And then it's my job to take care of you. So, after every single wave, though, that I push somebody on, and even if it's, like, the gnarliest wipeout I've ever seen and I've seen some really crazy like head-on collisions and like just because again you just can't predict it you can't predict what another surf school is doing if their students coming straight at you and so I've seen some pretty like bad situations but again I've prepared all of them I've told them all like if you feel like you're in danger put your hands over your head you know protect yourself but after every wave, if I give them a thumbs up and I start clapping and I'm like, well, that was, that was awesome. Like wiping out's the best part, isn't it? They're like, oh yeah, 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 I guess it is. Even though they were thinking, oh my gosh, that hurt. I don't want to do this anymore. But if you stoke them out, for the most part, they're going to like change their mindset. And that's so funny to me about kids and adults. But I also think we can learn a lot from that in life, which brings me to my main topic of validation versus reaction one of my favorite quotes is it should not have to happen to you for it to matter to you and that's one of my favorite quotes because i care a lot about a lot of things like i feel deeply for so many things that i don't have a grasp of like fully context but if there's somebody in pain like it's gonna hurt my heart i'm a very empathetic person um and yeah, I, I struggle with other people who aren't empathetic because I'm like, how can you not care? Like, But, you know, I care so much that I'm like, I feel helpless. I'm like, what can I do? And and yeah, that can also not be good either. But we, I talk about it in therapy. Don't worry, I pay for that. But on the other side of this quote, I've been thinking a lot about how not everything deserves a reaction. So yes, it shouldn't have to happen to you for it to matter to you. But that doesn't mean you also need to give whatever happened or didn't happen to you, a reaction does that make sense it didn't make sense when I just said it out loud but it makes sense in my head so what I mean is like you know political is the best example I can give when it comes to abortion laws or who you voted for or you know Palestinians in Israel like there's so many different political topics that are going on that a lot of people disagree on and I find it interesting that for the most part, there's a lot of people who have their hand in the mix who not only has it not happened to them, but they don't have a solid reason for why it matters to them. And it's not, I'm not saying that like you need a reason for it to matter to you, you know, that's a, that's allowed. But I do think there are people who Definitely want to just have a hand in the mix just to just to react to something, if that makes sense. They would love to just get on Facebook or whatever, have a conversation out and about in the grocery store. They overhear something just to get a reaction. I think that there are kids who grow up to be those kinds of adults who are like that. And I say that because I see those kids every day at school. And a lot of those kids weren't told like, hey, it you don't need to talk about that. You have nothing to do with that. That does not concern you. You know or or they all told that but they just don't they don't accept that or they're not told that at home they're only told that at school because there are some topics where yeah the people that i'm gonna listen to on that topic are the people who it's happened to just because it hasn't happened to me i can still deeply care about it i can care for the people that it affected on either sides whichever way but i'm probably not going to be holding at the front of a protest the biggest sign and that's kind of what I'm getting to is like I don't I think there are people who who want to be in that front row just to have a cause like they just to have an, a reaction they're not looking for any validation like those other people are who are like we're in pain and and validate that like see us see that um help make it right just by caring because that's a whole different to me that's a whole different side of a cause right kind of related to this I just watched the movie um killers of the flower moon with leo dicaprio if you haven't seen it it's three and a half hours long so maybe break it up into sections but it is really good i i do recommend watching it and it's about the osage native americans in oklahoma and what happened to them and it's really phenomenal acting first of all and storytelling it was also really heartbreaking it was really hard for me to like watch and think about that actually taking place historically not even that long ago But one thing, you know, like, so to use that as an example, like, I can watch that movie and feel horrible about what happened to those people. But I'm probably not going to get on my computer and go look up, you know, what political cause that the Native Americans are fighting on behalf of and join their cause in a really aggressive, confrontational way. Because I don't feel like it's my place. It's I can care about it, and if I was asked to be a part of something like that, that would be one thing on a personal level, but I don't think that we need to, like, I feel like we are constantly, as a society, trying to put our hands into so many things politically, religion, like, just society about, like, who gives a crap who Taylor Swift is dating? You know, Taylor Swift fans do, I guess, but, like, at the end of the day, when they go to sleep at night, like, is that affecting them? Like, does that keep them up? I just don't think that we need to be involved in every single conversation that's had. And maybe we can sit there and listen to the conversation. We don't need to have a voice. It goes back to the golden rule of what we're supposed to learn in school, which is if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I think that that applies. Like people think that when they are sticking up for a political view or posting on their story, like, about a cause that they think they know about, but they've never actually been a part of. It's like, okay, well, there's another side to that story always. And wouldn't it have saved you or been just as much time to not post anything at all? Like, you don't need to have a voice on that. If you feel like you do, that's great. Like, I'm all about having a cause, standing behind it. I will always, always, always be a voice for you know kids that grew up in foster care and adoption because th- those are things that happen to me and i have friends who experience domestic abuse so i'm gonna care about that because it, it bothers me you know and and suicide I, all of those things i can have a voice on because i've seen them firsthand But if there's somebody who's going to speak louder than me, I would want it to be somebody who also knows. You know, not somebody who I'm like, what, what, how, why does this matter to you? Not why do you care so much? That's not the question to ask. It's why does this matter to you? Does that make sense now? Like validation versus reaction? Whatever. This is the point of having a podcast is I can kind of say whatever I want and like it doesn't have to make sense. (laughs) So I hope it does. But yeah, on a different note, This is going to come across as probably inconsiderate when I just said I'm really empathetic, but you know, it's the truth. Like I, um, working in a restaurant, if you've ever worked in a restaurant, which you should, everyone should work in serve in the service industry and the education system. I fully believe that. Like if you're considering having kids go be a substitute teacher for two months in a school, please do it. It'll either change your mind or it'll solidify that. Like one of those two things, go do that. Um, but when I was working in the service industry, you know, pe- like, it's just drama. Every every restaurant I've ever worked in, it's drama, okay? There's some stupid drama going on. And pe- all the servers and all the kitchen people, all, they all love to talk about it, right? And so it's like, and college too. This is literally college where it's such like a small little cesspool for drama. And people would come up to me, especially working at a restaurant, because it's like, what else is there to do? We all hit our job. And they'd be like, oh my gosh. So-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah. And I used to respond, literally, you can ask people. I used to say, um, so what does that have to do with me? I don't care. Does this, does this affect me in any way, shape, or form, that person? No, I don't, then I don't care. Like, and again, that sounds inconsiderate, but again, that's the validation versus reaction. Like, there are people who are just looking to t- say things and do things, for a reaction and it's like I don't want to give you that like how does this affect me you're wasting my time get away from me like I have other things to be doing Or if you're gonna tell me something tell me something crazy like I like make it up like make it worth my time to actually sit here and listen to you which again sounds inconsiderate but you know it works for me could work for you another exercise that I think could be effective is And something that I'm realizing just now by working at the school is the one universal truth that I know. There's a lot of things I don't know. And then there's things that I think I know. And then the next week I'm like, I have no idea. The one thing that I know, like for sure, is that everyone was a kid once. And you're like, yeah, Jasmine, everyone was a kid once. Duh. Okay. You see all this stuff about like, we all share the same blood. We all Well, that's not true. We all have different blood types. But we all were a kid once. That's a fact. So... If you're having an issue with someone who you feel like is constantly just trying to get a reaction out of you in whatever capacity it is, if the inconsiderate way didn't sound good where, you know, I was like, how does this affect me? Get away from me. If that's, a, if that's not you, you know, try to envision this person as a child, as their, as them as a child. Okay. So let's, let's do this together. So close your eyes and envision your enemy or not-so-good friend, or not person that you're, like, really not okay with right now, okay? Maybe you're okay with everyone. Great. Skip this exercise. But um, I, for one, always probably have someone in my life that I'm like, why are you the way that you are, okay? Close your eyes. Envision that person as a child. Like, you're on the playground. You're both children, okay? You can probably imagine that that person's home life wasn't that good, or, like, it was good, and their parents were the kind of parents who never told them to shut up or their parents you know always took their side of the story and their kid could do no wrong or they were like that okay either way like probably not not great parenting at home and you don't know what else like you have no idea what else could have happened to them to make them that way but i can promise you something happened as a child to make that person who they are now which is really difficult to deal with so show them compassion on the playground if your mind's a little twisted like me I'd be like, oh, I get to see my enemy on the playground as a child, like, they're catching these hands, like, I'm under the age of 18 again, let's get after it, because I was that kid, I was a pretty terrible kid, where I was biting kids on the playground, playing dog, like, (laughs) that's not a real game, okay, and it's definitely, if you are playing dog on the playground, it's not an okay game to bite other kids, but there I was, okay, so don't do that, um, this is, yeah, hopefully this was a good exercise for you, and if it wasn't, Let me know. I can only say so much from what I learned in therapy and the other random thoughts that pop into my head, but I truly do feel like, you know, if I can envision people that I have a difficult time with, you know, as little tiny people, then I will have more grace and compassion for them because kids are truly, truly, truly the best of us. We didn't come into the world born with just evilness as babies. That didn't happen. Things happen to us That made us the way we are. And that's not to say that that's an excuse when you become an adult, because eventually you need to deal with it. And I'm also, you know, a big advocate for that. Like, you, oh, you have trauma? Okay, cool. Me too. But I'm not walking around like being so nasty to people. So neither can you. Because if mine's not an excuse, neither is yours. I'm also a big fan of that. Okay, let's just say that there are other, there are certain, there are people who don't get, don't feel like they are brave enough to do that. They don't have the courage to do that. They don't have the support to do that. They are. Say weaker individuals than me, you stronger people who can handle their trauma and still ha- be a decent human being and carry that around. Okay, so maybe that'll help you a little bit. I hope it helps me a little bit. <laughs> we'll follow up next week. Let you know. Um, next week I'm actually going to Texas, so I will be releasing though the very first episode with a guest on Making Waves with Jasmine. I am very excited for you all to listen to this episode. It is with my dear friend from Oklahoma, Rachel Slather. For those of you who don't know her, listen so you can get to know her because she's wonderful and inspiring, which is, again, why I started this podcast. So if you didn't find this episode to be very inspiring, I apologize. I'm working with two, like one and a half, not even two, brain cells that I've left that I didn't vomit up. This is the best that I could do with just one and a half brain cells. Thank you so much to those of you who reached out and were like, hey, where's the third episode? Um, Who are actually paying attention because that means a lot. That means more to me than you know um, that you're actually listening and and with me this far. I hope none of you get sick this week. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, what I experienced. It was horrific. Um, I hope that you're all having a good hair day wherever you are and that somebody paid for your coffee in the drive thru in front of you today. Until next week when I have my first guest on the show, keep making waves. All of my aloha.